name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And, and we are the Extra Sisters. Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to another Haunted Happy Hour, our second one for October. Second and last, you get two. <laughs> <laughs> and in this episode, we are going to talk about urban legends, not to be confused with folklore, but they can be very similar. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they cross over a little bit, but... So we are going to talk about some urban legends. Most of mine are from the United States, but I do have a couple foreign ones. But we will go through what we have. And a lot of mine are actually, you know, I have a couple local ones for me. And it's just be, you know, we're going to drink and go through some spooky stuff as we do. That's (laughs) one of our things. So, Kristen, if you'd like to start us off. Absolutely. So, of course, we are talking about urban legends. And usually I like to try to start off with a definition just in case people are curious or so that we know. So, an urban legend, urban myth, urban tale, or contemporary legend is a genre of folktale comprising stories circulated as true, especially as having happened to a friend or family member, often with horrifying or humorous elements. These legends can be entertainment, but often concern mysterious peril or troubling events, such as disappearances and strange objects. They may also be confirmation of moral standards or reflection of prejudices, or be a way to make sense of societal anxieties. Yeah, I think some of mine actually, it's interesting, like, I was looking up urban legends, and some of them really also kind of cross into, like, ghost stories. Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. like, it happens, so take that as you will so uh, we both actually got some different ones from different states and some of these are pretty short and I actually only pulled ones from states that pertain to both of us so I got one from the state that we live in the state that Kristen was born in a state that Kristen had lived in and the (laughs) state that I was born in so that's the four states that I have and then I know that you have some states too I'll start us off with Colorado because we both currently live in Colorado and then we'll just kind of throw the ball back and forth until we get through our states here sounds good all right so the legend of Riverdale Road did you look up where Riverdale Road is I don't know where that is I do not know where that is well while I'm reading you should look it up and see if we can go to Riverdale Road (laughs) Riverdale Road is the site of not one, but eight creepy stories. Ranging from a hell gate to ghosts of slaves hanging from trees, the stretch of road is decidedly spooky. The creepiest story, though, is that of the Phantom Jogger. I don't know. Hellgate sounds spookier to me. <laughs> one day... Also, it is in Thornton, by the way. Oh. So it's by Denver, if anybody yeah. knows at least our capital. North of Denver, yeah, a little bit. The creepiest story is that of a phantom jogger. One day, there was a driver who hit a jogger, freaked the fuck out, and left him for dead. Now, it's said that if you park at the site of the crash, you'll hear disembodied footsteps getting closer and closer to your car. As though it is jogging near your car, perhaps? Ew, fuck that. No. Mm -mm. People have reported handprints on their windows and banging noises as if someone was kicking on the outside of the car. If you hit someone and you fucking leave, you're the worst kind of person. Yeah, exactly. Especially a jogger. Like, fucking A. Was he in a car? Yeah, you're going to get manslaughter charges, but just call somebody. (laughs) Come on. God. Riverdale Road. I want to know what the hell gate of Riverdale Road is, first of all. That sounds scarier to me than a phantom jogger. Because if there is a gate to hell in Colorado I would like to know how to avoid it you know <laughs> right. what I mean oh this is a YouTube video please don't I'm so sorry we're not gonna know 
because I'm not gonna. Uh, there's actually not. I don't know where the Hellgate is. You can just cut all that out. They are. They are two cottonwood trees along Riverdale Road in Thornton, Colorado. That's it. They're, they're two trees that make up the gates of hell, where well, all these hauntings are happening. Interesting. Well, it's probably just a portal then. Yeah. I mean, probably not to hell. It's probably just like, maybe it's like a an arch. Do you know what I'm saying? Like a, I don't know. Yeah, it, that's what it sounds like. It just sounds like it's a place where a bunch of pe- a bunch of ghosts are because you're probably right. It's probably like a portal. Maybe it, they're just like a it's like a party site. You know, <laughs> they're just like right? go in. Let's go to Riverdale Road, y'all. Exactly, <laughs> Riverdale Road. That's where it's at. So I also had one from Massachusetts, so I figured I would just throw mine in there too because they were actually different. So my Massachusetts one is the curse of Giles Corey. And why I'm so excited about this is because he is one of the most fascinating people to me. He, if anybody doesn't know, Salem Witch Trials, he was the man that they dumped stones on top of his chest until he couldn't breathe anymore. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, the Salem Witch Trials were creepy enough to begin with. But the story of Giles Corey, who was slowly pressed to death under a series of progressively heavier rocks in an effort to extract a confession, is particularly unsettling. Legend has it, he uttered a curse against Salem right before his dying breath. For generations, his apparition has allegedly appeared in the cemetery before something terrible is about to happen, including a 1914 fire that burned down a sizable proportion of the city. There has also been a series of tragedies that have hit Salem's sheriff's office, starting with the 1696 heart attack that killed George Corwin four years after he presided over the trials. So he even killed the judges through this curse that we're doing this. Yeah, that's cool. Well, you know, that is a terrible way to die. And if I, somebody did that to me, I was watching this video earlier this week and somebody does this. It's actually a TikTok series and it's like questions you get asked, asked when you arrive to hell. And it was like, so you get one or two people you can haunt for free. Who would you want it to be? And if that happened to me, I'd be like, oh, that guy or like these people. Yeah, I got people. Oh yeah, I got I got people. Oh yeah, I would that would fucking be on my list. Be like, yeah, oh uh, uh, yeah, Fuck that. exactly. Okay. So, on the back of Massachusetts, we have the spirits of Uhusak Tunnel. When did you live in Massachusetts? Because I, I did these specifically because they pertain to our lives. So. Right. So my whole family lives in Massachusetts. I've said before that I my mom is one of eight. I'm one of sixteen grandkids. They all live in Massachusetts and only about an hour from Boston. So. I lived there in my freshman year. My mom and I moved out there so that I could attend a private school. And we didn't last very long, mostly because my family is very dramatic and it was a lot of craziness. But the history, I love Massachusetts and I have loved Boston. Just when I'm there, my heart sings. Like I'm in the city center and I just feel so alive. So even though I don't live there all the time, a piece of my heart is there. I was watching a renovation of this old colonial style house on the East Coast, New England, obviously. And I literally thought to myself... It was this old, like, I guess it was more Victorian style, but I was just like, God damn it. Like, I've never been to the East Coast or the New England area. Well, I mean, I've been to Florida. That's the closest I've ever been. But I'm going to take you to Boston someday. Yeah, please do. Oh, my God. I would love to see New England for the history, but 
I just would, I was like, man, I will never get to own a house that cool. Cause there's <laughs> nothing like there's like old houses here, but nothing like that style. And it was this yeah. like spooky couple. So they were honoring the old history. They didn't want to change yes. anything. And I'm like, that is my aesthetic. Like they were changing some things like, you know, aesthetically, obviously they were updating some things, but they didn't change the bones of the house at all. And they had like mm -hmm. original old stained glass and obviously they kept it all. They kept the floors and the crown molding. I was like, fuck, that's what I want. I want an old Victorian <laughs> style house. I just want to add my own little like aesthetic touches. Ugh. Anyways. Yeah. So the one that I have is also obviously we're going to talk about Massachusetts as well. The spirits of Hoosack tunnel and the 24 year long construction of the Hoosack tunnel in Western Massachusetts, approximately 200 men died. Death was so associated with the tunnel that it was actually nicknamed the bloody pit. After a particularly gruesome explosion in either 1867 or 1868, 13 miners were trapped inside the tunnel. The other workers assumed that the miners had died, but eventually it was discovered. The miners had lived built a raft to combat flooding and eventually died due to poisonous gas inhalation. It's said that these 13 miners haunted the tunnel for years, moaning and briefly appearing as ghosts. Obviously, that is a true story and that is a super sad true story. Yeah. Now the ghosts are a legend. Right, yeah. yeah. The the tunnel is, yes, that's not something that is a legend, yes. The And that's how most of our construction was most. A lot of people fucking died because, you know, they didn't have OSHA. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Moving on, my next state is Hawaii. The Night Marchers. Picture yourself on a scenic Hawaiian beach at night. Imagine a full moon and a cool breeze running across the sand. Dreamy. But... If you hear the faint sounds of drums pounding in the distance or see a barrage of torches out on the horizon, it could be your worst nightmare. These spirits of ancient Hawaiian warriors dedicated to protecting the islands from all outside threats will only spare your life if you, reportedly, lay face down, <laughs> pee on yourself in submission, or if miraculously oh. you share a bloodline with one of the warriors. Good luck on peeing on yourself, tourist. The first alleged encounter with the Night Marchers, known as the Huaka, Huaka Lipo, sorry, in Hawaiian, was recorded when Captain Cook arrived on Hawaiian shores in 1778. In Hawaiian tradition, the Night Marchers' role in life was to protect sacred members of the community. In modern times, their spirits have been reported all throughout the islands, mainly at the sites of sacrificial temples and other sacred grounds. Oh, and the decidedly corporate Davies Pacific Center building in downtown Honolulu. Apparently, they still protect the island from outsiders, and if you buy into the legend, they always will. As they should, because that's stolen right. fucking land also. Exactly, right? And we're also still doing really fucked up shit to Hawaii. If y'all really want to know about it, you can go look it up. But we won't get into that right now. But it's happening. <laughs> They're trying to buy it out. Anyways corporations okay so the next thing i have on the list is also pertaining to Kristen. Kristen, why don't you tell them why ohio is in here i was born in ohio but it doesn't honestly mean a whole lot to me other than skyline chili <laughs> so my mom was married to a man there when i was 10 months old she left him and we moved out to colorado so i don't know a lot about ohio but uh, she did bring a lot of the food and stuff that she fell in love with there and I was able to grow up on that. That's basically all I have from it. Yep. 
So, the werewolf of defiance. You have a werewolf. Ooh, of defiance. Yep. During the summer of 1972, the people of Defiance, Ohio, claimed they were being terrorized by a werewolf. The sightings always happened at night, generally by train tracks. A couple of women said it would try to get their houses by rattling the doorknobs. The animal was said to be huge, hairy, and dressed in rags. After that summer ended, the werewolf mysteriously disappeared and was never seen again. (laughs) (laughs) But they still maintained that there was a werewolf that summer. And maybe it just had a very quick cycle of life. I don't know. But werewolf in defiance. Maybe he was just there for the summer. He's like, fuck this place. I'm leaving. It's boring in Ohio. (laughs) I'm leaving. Exactly. That's why I left. No, I'm joking. All right. New Hampshire. The Cursed Isles of Shoals. The charming archipelago of Isle of Shoals off New Hampshire's eastern coast is the perfect perfect destination for a seaside picnic. Or, you know, a series of brutal murders. Same. Two... Two young women were horrifically butchered via the particularly creepy maniac with an axe method in the late 1870s, and apparently you can still hear them screaming, often late at night, which is just objectively unsettling. This specific island, a smutty nose, is said to be haunted by those ghosts, the axe murderer himself, pirates, and a gang of other poltergeists. The islands have a history longer than the country they are in. Blackbeard himself was rumored to use the islands as a honeymoon destination and gold depository in the early 18th century, and naturally, he killed some people there along the way. By the time Louis Wagner murdered the women living on Smutty Nose, there were already ghost stories about the haunting chain of islands, with history, pirates, and of course, axe murderers, some creepy tales, and again, the abandoned lighthouses don't help. Abandoned lighthouses, I think, are so, are so terrifying, all, but so pretty. I was about to say yes, but also <laughs> so cool because, like, <laughs> yes and yes. Imagine just like being there and then like it not working, and then like chilling and on a walk, or like you're in bed and all of a sudden just one starts working. Like, what the fuck? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. Texas. Texas. My country. <laughs> the can't Ooh, oh hey yeah speaking of oh, i've been meaning to ask oh, you because Jesus. you've mentioned this twice oh, God, yeah <laughs> that we pray we you know we pledge our, to our flag yes and you do one for texas yes, or used to yeah. i am curious to hear it if you remember it oh do i fucking remember i'm it. sure you do every it every single day, single day. <laughs> yes oh oh also if you want to know something else in my ele- oh god i they let people like students lead the announcements and sometimes they would let them pray in a secular public school i'm just saying okay God, fuck it. I don't know why this is so embarrassing because this is like a state thing. It's honor <laughs> the Texas flag. I pledge allegiance to the Texas one state under God, one and indivisible. That's the Texas pledge. One state under God. Huh? One state under God, one and indivisible. I. So it's basically our anthem, just only about Texas. <laughs> Whereas Correct. we're like. We all want to be one big country and not just states. Texas is like, no, we're, it's just us. Just us, baby. Yeah, well, and so what you do is <laughs> you have the American flag in one corner, let's say the left corner of the room. And so you put your hand over your heart 
and you do that. And then when you do the Texas pledge, you turn and instead of having your hand over your heart because country first and then Texas second, you take your hand away from your heart and you pull I don't know how to describe it. You pull your hand away and down with your palm facing up towards the flag. So like kind of like you're have your hand out to hold like a serving tray kind of like if you're a waiter that's how you do it like where <laughs> it looks like a prayer thing i'm doing it to myself it looks like something i would do in church yeah kind of wow just pretend wow. you're a waitress holding a tray of drinks that's kind of what it like looks like but you're holding like uh, not like don't extend your elbow or anything just kind of like let your hand fall away from your heart but palm up like very yeah <laughs> It looks like it reminds me of being in church when I'm like, okay, you genuflect and then you move to this position and then you make the cross on the forehead and the mouth and the heart. Like, it's very, it's like a tradition. I mean, what we did. A religious tradition. It, text, yeah, text is kind mm-hmm. of a cult. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. Break out the bite model. I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> but yeah. Well, it's also got some spooky stuff. Ooh, okay. So. I got so fucking excited when I found out about the candy lady. So I'm going to read the short version first, but then I'm going to read the long version. Okay. In the early 1900s, children in an unnamed rural town in Texas. I got the name. I got the fucking name later. Started to go missing and the residents blamed it on the candy lady. The story says that she would go around leaving candy on children's windows and eventually she'd lure the kids out with notes attached, promising more candy. The story picked up steam when a farmer allegedly found rotten teeth on his farm and later found the body of a boy with his pockets stuffed full of candy. Oh my god. Alright. Now buckle up, kitties. (laughs) I found... Okay, the reason I got so excited about this, I was like, there are so many rural towns in Texas. I like... It could be... I mean, fucking... Texas... Okay, so when I... You can fucking drive for... 10 goddamn 12 goddamn hours and still be in texas my mom works in this fucking city it's fucking or like where this woman was locked up in the asylum Mm -hmm. is where i'm fucking from bro like next to it anyways i was gonna say forney nope terrell Carol fucking Texas. And it said a town just outside of Dex- Texas. Clara Kane, the candy lady from Terrell, Texas. I was like, no fucking way, dude. Like, you used to play them in sports and stuff, They right? were our rivals. That's yeah. 10 minutes down the road. We didn't have a Taco Bell in Forney, so if you wanted Taco Bell, you had to go to Terrell. <laughs> we didn't have a liquor store. We still don't. Forney is still dry, so if you want liquor, you have to go to Terrell. So that's how close it is also didn't have an evil candy woman serial killer no but terrell did (laughs) all right (laughs) along with their taco bell clara crane was accused of poisoning her husband back in 1895 she gave him some caramels that were laced with some form of poison that killed him a few years before she allegedly killed her husband the crane's five-year-old daughter died clara blamed her husband for the passing of their daughter which is why many believe she killed him this is a crazy part too clara was placed in the north texas lunatic asylum now known as the Terrell State Hospital. The Terrell State Hospital? I have friends that fucking work there. I have friends that have been fucking sent there. Like, it's a... like it, You don't <laughs> want to fucking go there. But, like, it's not a great place. But I know... Th- this is also crazy to me. I'm sorry I'm wigging out. But it's just, like, this came up on, like, 
creepiest urban legends in every state. And this is on every Texas list. And I know people that work at Terrell State Hospital. And I know people that have been to Terrell State Hospital. It's just, I almost. No, I get it. That's cool. I almost went to Terrell State Hospital. I'm so glad I didn't. I had the, <laughs> I was in a different inpatient hospital when I had to go there. But it was just, it's just nuts. While in the asylum, Clara made a doll out of torn bed sheets. The doll she called Mercy, the same name as her daughter. Seen below is a small portion of a letter Clara supposedly wrote to her sister while in the asylum. Dearest Aggie, I am elated. I have been informed by Dr. Matthews that Marcy and I will be turning... Oh yeah, sorry, it's not Mercy, it's Marcy. I can't read. <laughs> I am elated. I have been informed by Dr. Matthews that Marcy and I will be returning home in less than three weeks. As you can imagine, Marcy can barely contain her excitement. Every night, she asks, is tomorrow the day when we go home, mother? Very soon I will be able to tell her, yes. Clara could be seen talking and singing to the doll by the asylum staff. In 1899, she was released from the hospital due to overcrowding. So even though she allegedly committed murder, she was fit for release. No word on where Clara officially went after that. Here is where the urban legend of the candy lady begins. In 1903, children started going missing near her old property. Children said candy would be left on their window while they were sleeping. Sometimes there would be notes on wrappers around the candy. After several children started going missing, the townspeople believed it was Clara, the woman that killed her husband with poison candy, who was responsible for the disappearances. And then it comes in with the nearby farmer had found teeth in his fields, and the town sheriff was recently killed. He had forks shoved into his eyes and was bound Ew. with candy in his pockets. Ew. No one really knows whatever became of Clara Crane, but to this day it is believed the candy lady still roams around luring little children with candy and then pulling out their teeth or stabbing them in the eyes with forks. Okay, so the candy man is actually a candy woman. Got it. Let's make a movie about this. <laughs> also, right? this is like around where I'm from and I have never heard of the candy lady before and I feel robbed. <laughs> right? I feel like this is one of those things where that happened right where I'm from. We would have been fucking sitting around talking about the fucking candy lady. One of the most popular haunted houses in Texas is in Terrell. Why aren't they capitalizing on this? I'm sending them an email and I want to cut. <laughs> Fair. Anyways. Texas is also where black-eyed children urban legend came from around Abilene, and now it's a paranormal phenomenon that a shit ton of people have stories about, but I'm not going to talk about that right now. Anyways. Ready for me to move on, then? We're not going to talk about that one? Yes. You sure? CC. Okay. Alaska. The Alaskan Triangle. Encompassing an area ranging from near Juneau in the southeast to the northern Barrow region to the western metropolis of Anchorage, Alaska's answer to the Bermuda Triangle is comprised of some of the most barren wilderness in the U.S., and it apparently craves souls. More than 20,000 people have gone missing without a trace in the area during the past half-century alone. Are they being consumed by mythological beings like the beastly Kilut or the ghoulish kidnapper Qualu Qualupalik? Lost on extreme hikes or simply vanishing into a dark vortex? Nobody knows, though it's not for lack of trying. When the government lost House Majority Leader Hale Boggs Senna to the Triangle in 1972, a massive search turned up tons of conspiracy theories but no bodies. The area has been associated with evil spirits and tinglet lore for centuries attributed trickster demons for luring people to an icy death. 
Others believe the area exists amid an electromagnetically influenced vile vortex. Still others think it's a Darwinian result of explorers taking on nature. Regardless, the area continues to claim people, and underneath that massive blanket of snow and rock likely lies one of the largest and best preserved mass graves in the world. Yeah. <laughs> right? The Bermuda Triangle has also really freaked me out. Always really freaked Ooh, me out. We should talk about that one. <sighs> I don't like things where people just go missing and nobody knows why, like the Malaysian flights or right. Amelia Earhart or any of it ever. I don't fucking like that. I don't vibe with that. I don't like unsolved mysteries, like other than like people going missing because of murders. That doesn't scare me as much because people are just fucked and they find good hiding places. But like literally like masses of people going missing or like fucking dead zones on earth i don't mm -hmm. fucking vibe with that man Blech. yeah i agree it's fucking freaky alaska's also really scary just like in general right well it makes me think of the fourth kind yes. and, and people vanishing and yeah this next one i have is japanese and it is called hanako-san Good job. Thank you. <laughs> I have one that's Filipino that I might just royally fuck later. Just... <laughs> Hanako-san is a Japanese urban legend about the spirit of a young girl named Hanako-san who haunts school bathrooms. Like many urban legends, the details of the origins of the legend vary depending on the account, but legends about Hanako-san have achieved some popularity in old Japanese schools where children may challenge classmates to try to summon her. So this is basically the Japanese Bloody Mary. Okay. Which I love that there are, we have so many different cultures, but so much similarity with urban mm -hmm. legends, especially. According to legend, Hanako-san is the spirit of a young girl who haunts school bathrooms, and the details of her physical appearance vary across different sources, but she is commonly described as having a bobbed haircut and is wearing a red skirt or dress. The details of her origins are also varied depending on the account. In some versions, she was a child who was murdered by a stranger or an abusive parent in a school bathroom. In other versions, she was a girl who committed suicide in a school bathroom. In still other versions, she was a child who lived during World War II and who was killed in an air raid while hiding in a school bathroom during a game of hide and seek. That one is awful. Like, they're all terribly really sad. But dude, fucking, <laughs> yeah. she's just playing a game of hide and seek and yeah. the Americans came in and fucking killed her i mean that for sure happened oh uh, yeah yeah they all could happen but i don't know why that one just because we're the antagonist i guess but <laughs> to summon hanako-san it is often said that individuals must enter a girl's bathroom usually on the third floor specifically of a school knock three times on the third stall and ask if hanako-san is present if she is there she will reply with some variation of yes i am Depending on the story, the individual may then witness the appearance of a bloody or ghostly hand. The hand, or Hanako-san herself, may pull the individual into the toilet, which may lead to hell. Or the individual may be eaten by a three-headed lizard. <laughs> okay. Yep, yep, yep. This legend dates back as far as the 1950s, which is another reason why it could go all the way back to World War II. It is well known because it is essentially an urban legend associated with schools all over Japan. Since the 1990s, it has also been used in movies, so it became part a popular part of Japanese culture, not just orally transmitted or local folklore. So there, it lists a couple Japanese movies, but none of them I have seen in 
in American culture or like popular movies. And even in January 2020, there was a short story done. So I'd be interested to add some of these movies to a list eventually because that's interesting. I bet that'd be super fucking spooky too. Agreed. But like terrible for me because... I know. I know. I know how you feel about that. (laughs) Okay. The reason I'm excited about this one is because I specifically was hoping I would find it, but I couldn't remember what to look for. And when I saw this name come up on a list of urban legends, I was like, I wonder if this is it. And it was this. Is this the one with the dog? Yes. Ah, this was a story. I don't know about you. That was told at like sleepovers and campfire stories. And when I was a kid, so yeah, it's also noticed the doggy lick or humans can lick too. If you've seen that. So I specifically remember when I was a kid, I was, I don't remember whose house I was at, but we were all sitting in bed and someone told the story and it blew my fucking mind. <laughs> no, I actually, I, I think I'm thinking of the same thing you are and it, it fucked with me too. I was actually looking for it also. I'm glad you found it. A young girl is home alone for the first time with only her dog for company. Listening to the news, she hears of a killer on the loose in her neighborhood. Terrified, she locks all the doors and windows, but she forgets about the basement window and it is left unlocked. She goes to bed, taking her dog to her room with her and letting it sleep under the bed. She wakes in the night to hear a dripping sound coming from the bathroom. The dripping noise frightens her, but she is too scared to get out of bed to find out what it is. To reassure herself, she reaches a hand toward the floor for the dog and is rewarded by a reassuring lick on her hand. The next morning when she wakes, she goes to the bathroom for a drink of water, only to find her dead, mutilated dog hanging in the shower with his blood slowly dripping onto the tiles. On the shower wall, written in the dog's blood, there are the words, humans can lick too. And fucking as a kid, this fucked the fuck, this fucked with me so bad. Yeah, no, no, no. Yep, I remember that one too. When I say kid, like elementary school, like little, little kid. And that wasn't quite the version that I was told. And this this does talk about other story variations feature a nearsighted old woman rather than a young girl the fate of the dog always also varies from the dog simply being hanged to it being skinned disemboweled or otherwise mutilated i got one about it being hung from a ceiling fan i think the message is sometimes written on the floor or on the bathroom mirror rather than the wall some versions include the parents return and their discovery of the killer hiding elsewhere in the house frequently the basement the girl's bedroom closet or under the bed in other versions the girl's parents arrive back in the morning and ask their daughter if she had a good night when she tells them that the dog had kept her calm by licking her hand she is told the dog in question had been locked either in the basement or outside but it's either the girl ran out of the house and the killer was found or the girl dies. So, yeah. Gross. Yeah, that one fucked with me too. That thing creeps me out. I just love how we have no idea, like, why we all know these stories. Mm-hmm. But we just all, like, somebody told somebody told somebody told somebody mm-hmm. and they all just get told at our sleepovers. <laughs> you know? That's why urban legends are the coolest, man. Yeah. Alright, I still have states. So, Tennessee. The Bell Witch. Essentially a real-life horror movie, the hauntings of one of Tennessee's families by some sort of spirit believed to be a witch ultimately attracted the attention and subsequent visit by soon-to-be president Andrew Jackson. 
and while Jackson, who allegedly was spoken to by the witch, got the heck out of Dodge, a cave near the site, believed to be a portal for the witch, remains a major tourist attraction in Adams, Tennessee today. Probably hell, but more factually, the haunting of the Bell family began in 1817 after the father, John Bell, witnessed some sort of rabbit-headed dog in his field and tried to shoot it. From that night on, the family experienced tappings on the doors and windows, sheets slowly being pulled off beds, and eventually the voice of a woman named Kate, who was dead, set on destroying the family. After years of torment, John Bell died in 1820, after which the family found a small vial of liquid near his deathbed. Kate, the Bell Witch, proudly proclaimed she gave John the poison that finished him off. Love how proud witches are. They're like, yeah, that was fucking me. <laughs> Wasn't that awesome? <laughs> I fucking did that. That was all me, man. They're all like, like the stories of witches like that. They're like, I'm gonna fuck you up. You just fucking wait. It's I'm coming back for you. Or I did that. Or I'm gonna do that. I mean, why not? They've always they always get like some horrible death, or they're going to. So they might as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I would. <laughs> this one's really short but I've heard variations of this throughout the years it's pretty short but this one's the vanishing hitchhiker or variations okay. like a ghostly or disappearing hitchhiker it's an urban legend in which people traveling by vehicle meet with or are accompanied by a hitchhiker who vanishes without explanation often from a moving vehicle and this may come from a book about a vanishing hitchhiker, but these stories preceded that. And there's a hitchhiker, and it would look like a normal passenger, but it would then all of a sudden vanish, and it would leave behind some item, or having borrowed a garment for protection against the cold, like a jacket or something, would leave that behind. The vanishing hitchhiker may also leave some form of information that encourages the motorist to make subsequent contact. So, in such accounts of the legend, the garment borrowed is often found draped over a gravestone in a local cemetery later. In this and other versions of the urban legend, the unsuspecting motorist makes contact with the family of a deceased person using the information the hitchhiker left behind and finds the family's description of the deceased matches the passenger the motorist picked up and also finds that they were killed in some unexpected way, usually a car accident, and that the driver's encounter with the vanishing hitchhiker occurred on the anniversary of their death. Other variations reverse the scenario in that the hitchhiker meets a driver. The hitchhiker later learns that the driver is actually an apparition who died earlier. Not all vanishing hitchhiker legends involve ghosts. One popular variant in Hawaii involves the goddess Pele or Pele or Pele. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Traveling the roads incognito and rewarding kind travelers. And other variants include hitchhikers who utter prophecies, typically of pending catastrophes or other evil events before vanishing. There's a similar story, which is about two travelers sitting next to each other on a train. One of them is reading a book and the other person asks who the book is about and the first person says it's about ghosts. Then they have a conversation about ghosts and the other person asks if the first asks the first person if they believe in ghosts or have ever seen one, to which the first person says that they have never seen or believed in ghosts. The second person replies that it's doubtful and vanishes. <laughs> so this has been going on for a long time, these hitchhiker ones. The most common one that I've heard of is the one where they basically make contact with like and find out that the hitchhiker they had in their car or whatever was had actually died in a car accident either earlier that night or like on the anniversary of their death yeah that's the one that i have heard most often yeah that definitely i mean 
it's an urban legend that people take and definitely put into a plethora of horror movie ideas oh yeah like, for that sure. could be any ghost almost in a horror movie exactly. but yeah okay utah escalante pestrified forest curse utah's legend is particularly troubling for tourists as they might be taking the horror home with them even if they escape the forest with shocking regularity, visitors who have stolen chunks of petrified wood from Escalante Petrified Forest State Park will mail back their lifted souvenirs. All their letters detail series of, of unfortunate events, from broken collarbones, arms, and ribs, to mysterious illnesses, horrific accidents, and financial ruin. The one thing they have in common? They all occurred after the victim illegally stole a piece of the forest. Many people have, and still do, mail back cursed pieces of the petrified wood, and the park even displays the letters and samples openly as an attraction. Apparently, there have been cases of stolen wood turning to bad luck since the 1930s, though it's unclear the actual root of the curse. Maybe it's the burden of moral ambiguity affecting other areas of life. Maybe it's just coincidence. Either way, it's not worth risking your collarbone. That is also something that has happened with the St. Valentine's Day Massacre bricks people actually took the bricks, like, especially ones that had bullet holes in them from the mobs shooting people. And they've had to send them back because they're cursed and it's causing really messed up things. Uh, bullet holes in bricks. That's exactly my point. Like, I don't know, you must really like the mob or be interested in those stories to keep a brick where somebody's blood was splattered all over it from a bullet. I was about to say history is cool, like getting bricks from like old buildings and stuff, but having yeah. like, like you said, somebody's blood splattered all over, like that was yeah. a murder, fam. Exactly. Okay, I will say, I things from murders are interesting. Would I have a room collecting like a serial like serial killers collect trophies? People interested in murderers should not collect murderers right. trophies because they're available right. on the internet be you know what i'm saying like yeah just because mob murders are different than serial killer murders doesn't mean that it's any less of a life that was yeah lost. also do you want to bring that like that the props that i want i want to collect are from horror movies not from actually somebody dying where maybe their their soul is still attached to it somehow and is gonna fuck with my life no i'm good Correct. Like, I would purchase the knife used in Halloween. Would not purchase a real knife used in a real murder. <laughs> like, right. I don't need ten Bundy, Ted Bundy's knife. I'm good. Absolutely not. That would bring so much bad energy into your life. Right? How do you not realize that? Mm-hmm. God. The Tianoc. Tianoc? Tianoc. Mm. <laughs> It's not even, like, that hard of a word. It's just, you know, sometimes in different cultures, something looks one way, but it's not. It's T-I-Y-A-N-A-K. Tianak. Tianak? Okay. Mm -hmm. It's a vampiric creature in Philippine mythology that takes on the form of a toddler or baby. Jesus. All, yeah. Although there are various types, it typically takes the form of a newborn baby and cries in the jungle to attract unwary travelers once it is picked up by an unfortunate passerby it reverts to its true form and attacks the victim it also is depicted to take malevolent delights in leading travelers astray or abducting children of course mm -hmm. there are various stories on how they came to be the Mandaya people of Mindanao, oh, sorry, claim that they are the spirit of a child whose mother died before giving birth. This caused it to be born in the ground, thus gaining its current state. A similar supernatural creature in folk their folklore 
is the something else I cannot say. This happened to me with Filipino culture last time <laughs> with the Halloween culture one. It's a Pontianak, it looks like, which was a woman who died before giving birth. With the Spanish colonization of the Philippines in the 16th century, the myth was integrated into Catholicism. The Tianak and the Catholic version were supposedly the souls of infants that died before being baptized. In modern day Philippines, this definition has extended to that of trigger warning aborted fetuses that returned from death to seek revenge on those who deprived them of life it is also said that they cannot go to the afterlife because of not having a name this causes them to be earthbound creatures which wander around searching for someone to give them names in local belief various countermeasures were supposedly effective against them those that were led astray by the creature's cries are believed to be able to break the enchantment by turning their clothes inside out they find the methods humorous enough, the little creatures do, to let go of the travelers and go back to the jungles. So inside-out clothes are fucking hilarious, I guess. <laughs> Loud noises, such as New Year's celebrations, are also thought to be enough to drive them away from the vicinity. Objects believed to repel offswing vampiric shapeshifters like garlic or the rosary are also commonly believed to be effective against them. It is also believed that giving a name to those lost souls will bring them peace and offering a white candle will help guide their spirits to the afterlife. Interesting. Yeah. I know that's... You made it through. I, I yeah, well... <laughs> I probably fucked it up, but yeah. I mean, I told the story, so there you go. Good job. Thank you. Your turn. All right. Vermont. The Hayden Family Curse. You know a curse is serious when it takes down an entire lineage and still manages to bother people after everyone else is dead. You didn't take her up! The hill. The mountain. You didn't take Madame Zaroni up the mountain. Sorry. Okay. I'm done. What's that from? It's from Holes because they didn't break the generational curse. Oh, you didn't think to right. Madame Zaroni at the mountain. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Right. We're ruining everything. <laughs> William Hayden was a wealthy landowner in Albany, Vermont in the early 1800s, but he never repaid his even wealthier mother-in-law for loaning him some major funds over the years. After much complaining, she became mysteriously ill, accused William of poisoning her, and with her dying breath said, The Hayden name shall die in the third generation, and the last to bear the name shall die in poverty. The Hayden family barely made it another hundred years after being plagued with financial catastrophes and illnesses. Phantom music, mysterious lights, and other assorted paranormal activity is said to haunt their estate in Albany, along with the ghost of vengeful mother-in-law, too. She's really mad at this guy. In some versions, William Hayden was a Gatsby-esque party boy who quite knowingly blew all his mother-in-law's funds on lavish parties and ornate decorations for his home, building the family's local fame and infamy, which probably just fueled the rumor mill. And when all the Haydens died, a wealthy Canadian family moved in their mansion and allegedly used the home for bootlegging and smuggling Chinese immigrants for slave labor. So yeah, even if the curse isn't real, the house itself still has some dark history. Yeah... So my next one is also from kind of around where I'm from. This one is from Denton, Texas. So a little bit north of where I was raised, but where University of North Texas was at. Goatman's Bridge. I believe there's been a Ghost Adventures episode at Goatman's Bridge. Cool. Yeah. Nicknamed for what's formerly called Old Alton Bridge is an iron truss span that once connected Denton, Texas to Copper Canyon. Many who have crossed at night have claimed to have seen the demonic figure of a man with a goat's head waiting for them at the other side. 
So what I do know about this, this is actually pretty famous kind of in, in the area and to ghost hunters. This is not like a very just like willy nilly. You're going to go fuck around. Like, I mean, people do, especially in a college town. This is supposedly like demon shit. This isn't like, oh damn. I, I mean, it's, it's fucked. Like it's not, and I'll get, it's, I'm going to go into the story in a minute. This isn't shit to just like play with it, you know? So just throwing that out there. The bridge got its nickname from a popular local ghost story. The legend concerns a successful African-American goat farmer who in 1938 is said to have been murdered on the bridge at the hands of local clan members. No. Yeah. It's said that the clansmen lynched the goat farmer, hanging him with a noose over the side of the bridge. But when they went down below to confirm the goat farmer was dead, his body had disappeared. Alternate versions of the ghost story have also circulated, including one that suggests the bridge is actually haunted by the goatman's wife. Another story blames the works of Satanists, which Satanists are cool. (laughs) Most versions of the tale tend to include a warning that knocking three times on the trusses of the bridge runs the risk of bringing out the goatman. Over the decade, there have been numerous alleged sightings of a ghost-like apparition with a goat head haunting the area. Some locals have claimed to see glowing eyes staring at them from the bridge, while others have claimed to hear splashing in the creek directly below, followed by incredibly unsettling laughter. Buzz- <laughs> yeah, yeah. BuzzFeed Unsolved has done an episode on this, and I, I'm pretty sure Ghost Adventures has been there as well. But yeah, it's actually not just like let's get back around at the bridge uh, people don't fuck around at the bridge so I- have you ever visited it no <laughs> it's only foot traffic you don't drive to it mm. it's yeah i mean i wouldn't personally especially like i don't y'all know how i feel about demony shit if there's like any any possibility that there's anything demonic i'm out <laughs> ghosts right. are one thing demons are another thing it's probably nothing like I don't but I feel like I've seen the ghost adventures this could be a different bridge but I'm pretty sure it was Denton because we were like oh my god it's Denton and they were they got fucked up but like it's ghost adventures so like is it real probably not but still (laughs) like I feel like people have experience something there i just don't want to like that that's one area like i'll go to some like haunted areas and be like not that i won't go there so no i agree with you there's some things in manitou where people are tourists are just like let's go hang out at the old train tunnel and i'm like you're fucking crazy there are ghosts in there and you shouldn't go yep that's that's kind of like this bridge i won't do it All right, the last one I have is finally an actual urban legend, not just talking about legends around states. So, and the reason I picked this one is because this is one that has stuck in my brain forever because I talked about it in the movie Urban Legend, actually, on how I still look in the backseat before I drive. Yep. So, the killer in the backseat. The legend involves a woman who is driving and being followed by a car. The mysterious pursuer flashes his high beams, tailgates her, and sometimes even rams her vehicle. When she finally makes it home, she realizes that the driver was trying to warn her that there was a man hiding in her back seat. Each time the man sat up to attack her, the driver behind had used his high beams to scare the killer, causing him to duck back down. In some versions, the woman stops for gas, and the attendant asks her to come inside to sort out a problem with her credit card. Inside the station, he asks if she knows there's a man in her back seat. In another version... The woman gets into her car and then a crazed person leaps out from nowhere and starts shouting gibberish and slamming their hands on the car. 
The woman quickly manages to escape from them, but no matter how far or which direction she drives, every time she stops, the same crazed person appears and attacks the car. The woman then arrives at a police station and tells the police about the crazed person. The police calm her down and offer to drive her back to her house, but when they go with her to get her things from the car, they find the killer hiding behind the driver's seat. As it turns out, the crazed person that was chasing the woman was the ghost of one of the killer's victims, trying to warn the woman. The story has been identified as circulating at least as early as the late 1960s, and may have gained more widespread recognition after appearing in a letter to advice columnist Ann Landers in 1982. It has been speculated, including by Snopes founder David Michelson, that the legend may have been inspired by a vaguely similar case which took place in 1964, in which an escaped murderer hid in the backseat of a car only to end up shot by the car's owner, a police detective. Ugh. That's one of those ones where it's... I don't know if men feel the same way, but it's just mm-hmm. kind of one of those things where it's like... I'm probably fine, but, like, what if, you know? Yeah, well, it's so terrifying. You think you feel so comfortable in your car. Like, it's your car. You're safe in there. There's nobody in there with you, but actually there is. Yeah. I love being in my car. Sing. Spend time alone. Exactly. You're not out there in the elements. Even if you're in a scary place, at least you're safe in your own car. You're not out there in the woods, but then there's some creepy guy with you. Mm Mm-mm. I wonder if, I don't know if that, but like, have you heard the thing where like, if you flash your high beam, like, well, kind of like in urban legend, like you flash your beams at someone and then they like, like a gang initiation type thing. And then they come get you. I hadn't heard that part of the myth until the movie urban legend. So I don't know about that part, but hmm. I wonder if that is actually like a, a urban legend. Cause I feel like I'd heard that like just around, but I don't know if that's mm-hmm. actually like a thing. Anyways, I have one more, and this is actually an urban legend that I tried that was told, like, in my circle. Did you try Bloody Berry? No. Yes, but no. (laughs) No, yes, but no. Well, I did, and then I only made it to the second one, and I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair. But I always went and voted my friends, and we were like, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. (laughs) <laughs> you do it the third time. I'm not doing it. You know, I'm like, no, I don't think right. they ever finished it. So there was a local urban legend in a small town, just one over from where I grew up on the opposite, not Terrell, but Sunnyvale. The ghost of Barnes Bridge. And actually I had to text people to like, remember exactly how it went because it had been so long. There are a couple different versions of this again. So I don't exactly remember what, but you know, everyone remembers it differently, but It was apparently of a little girl that died in a car accident there in the 70s. And what you did was you parked your car. This was super fucking dangerous because people just like drove on this road. Like, like we just fucking parked our cars in the middle of this fucking like bridge that was operational. Yeah. Now. Yeah, I figured. We did it like late at night, you know. and And turned the lights out so nobody could see you if they were driving along. Smart, smart, smart. You turned your car off completely. Oh, even smarter. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you got off on Barnes Bridge. You set your keys on the ground and you walked around your car. And after three minutes, you go pick up your keys. And after that, you were supposed Three to- minutes? Specifically. That is a long time. I'd be freaking out. Specifically. Three minutes. I don't know why. <laughs> 
And it was also over a lake. So, like, sometimes it'd be foggy or, like, spooky. Oh. Yeah. Or, like, around the lake. I know it's around Lake Ray Hubbard. I don't remember if it was, like, right over, but it doesn't fucking matter. I just remember it was spooky because it was dark. Anyways, and you were supposed to walk around your car. And then after that, to go pick up your keys and then drive away. And then when you got home, you were supposed to see all these, like, fingerprints and handprints on your car and on your windows. And I didn't. Shocking. I know. <laughs> but that that's one that I participated in. Ooh, that's cool, though. Yeah. That you participated. I did, yes. I don't remember who I was with. So if that was you, let me know. But I don't fucking remember who I was with, why we fucking did it. Because, I mean, it was fun, I guess. But, like, also... Uh, somebody could have just fucking hit us. <laughs> like, uh-huh. fucking taken us out. Don't do that. Yeah. Oh, so God. That reminds me of actually a similar one that we have in Colorado Springs of Gold Camp Road. Yeah. I don't know if you've been up there. I have a couple times. There's a similar thing where you're supposed to go up there Hit and the honk your horn. Uh huh. Yeah. I've, yeah. I haven't heard the whole thing, but I've kind of heard about the tunnel, but I don't really know like what you do. Yeah, so I've never done it, and I don't know what the basis of the urban legend is. I don't know if who died up there, but I know you're supposed to go up there. It's abandoned. It's an abandoned road that was actually supposed to go up to Cripple Creek up the mountains, and it has now been, you know, condemned. You're not supposed to go in there. It's not safe. But teenagers go up there all the time. You're supposed to go in, honk your horn, turn your lights out, and some ghost comes out. That's all I know, but it kind of reminds me of that. Neat. Yeah. That's one of those things that when people move here, they're like, oh my god, I want to go do that. I've heard about the spooky thing. I'm like, have fun. Have a good time. Because where it is, it's kind of like your bridge thing. Like, it's up where miners used to be. So think of, like, these dirt paths that are windy and fairly small, and you're up there all by yourself in this car, and you have no... You turn your lights off and shit? Uh-uh. No. Yep, that's so dumb. Don't fucking do that shit, God. Yeah, especially because people go up there just to make out all the time. So there's there's traffic up there. You're going to get fucking hit and killed. You're going to be the next are. urban legend because you're going to be like, he <laughs> exactly. was hit in the middle of the night and now she comes out and she haunts Gold Camper. Don't fucking do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Honestly, if I die, though, I would like you to make me into an urban legend. I don't know what I would do, though. Okay. Mm. I'll have to think of a story. Thank you. You know me. I don't know what I would do, but... (laughs) It'll be something with spiders. All your spiders attacked and killed you. They would never. It's an urban legend they've got to. I mostly have babies, though. Okay, what about your dogs? (gasps) The pug. She came after you. (laughs) (laughs) Not the PD. She gets a bad rap as it is. Yeah, we don't don't use her in the story. We use the pug. The pug. (laughs) Yeah, spiders get a bad rap, too, so it's got to be the pug. It's a good point. It's a good point. All right. Yeah. yeah. Izzy's going to be in it, too. All my tarantulas are out right now, too. So they've been all moving around and just vibing. They're like, what That's are you awesome. talking about? <laughs> Heard you talking about us. What you're yeah. saying? Nothing. Don't. Don't you? I said don't give the spiders a bad rap. <laughs> They're like, we're coming for you. I said leave the spoods alone. Well... If you have any urban legends from your hometowns or anything, I'd be super interested to know. Like, we may talk about... Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll do ur- more urban legends. But it was actually kind of hard to find urban legends. Like, Yeah. I, I was kind of surprised. I thought that we just get, like, 
like a shit ton of heads, you know, but I, well, a lot of them, I was like, that's folklore. That's folklore. That's folklore. And yeah, even some of the ones that I said are more folklore type things like the ones from the Philippines. I just thought that one's kind of interesting, but Mm -hmm. you know, so, but it was kind of hard like to find folk or like uh, urban legend type things. But if you have any interesting urban legends from where you grew up or just like weird shit like that, send them in. Like we may read them on an episode in the future because we'd like to do like folklore part two and urban legends part two. But if we don't have any cool urban legends then no urban legends part two for you. So, <laughs> but hit us up. It is the extra sisters at gmail.com. You also have our Facebook and Instagram at the extra sisters podcast yeah, that's what it is. And uh, Twitter is at the Extra Sisters. And if you would like to become a patron, thank you so much for keeping this podcast alive and going, especially through this year. And that's been super awesome. Thank you so much for your support there. It is patreon.com slash the Extra Sisters podcast. Yes. Thank you guys for everything. Until next time, stay creepy. Bye.